All right. Um, it's good to be together. I think uh, somebody prayed upstairs. It was, it was you, Rich. Uh, that there would be times of refreshing that would come by the Holy Ghost. I think, did you say that? Yeah, that's what he basically said. And that was really a wonderful, wonderful little insertion into my life. So um, I thought it might be into yours, too. Uh, because the times of refreshing really just only really come from the Holy Ghost. And so if we could ask the Lord for that tonight, we, you know, who knows what the Lord might want to do. We have an opportunity to gather and um, really, you know, our gathering shouldn't be um, an arduous thing. It actually should be a time where we are strengthened um, as we come together. We gather together and it strengthens us. Because we got a lot of other times that we're out doing and being. So if we could come with that mind. So Lord, we look to you tonight. <clears throat> we do ask that your Holy Ghost would have free course among every single one of us, Lord. Whatever it is that we need, we know that your spirit is the only thing that can fill it in that specific way, Lord. So we commit you to that tonight and, and ourselves to be open to your moving in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's gather. It's a good one. The name of the
It's good to be together, isn't it? I was very much looking forward to coming together and being strengthened. Thank you for the worship tonight. There was an opportunity to be blessed. Fabian's not here, but he's pumping our septics, and I really appreciate that. I know there was a lot of people that <clears throat> wanted to do that job, but weren't able to. Job security. <clears throat> You're going to get something hot off the press, so I hope that's okay. Turn to John 5. I will not be very long. I want to encourage you right from the get-go. Even if my daughters don't believe me, tonight they will see miracles. Yep. 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 It's her birthday, so we got a lot of extra prayer to do tonight. We'll get plenty of time for that. John 5.29. This is just a concise passage that we... Really, we can just jump to 30. This is really what I'm going to get to. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father with which hath sent me. I've just been very aware, I've still been on the theme of faith in my personal studies, but, and what it really requires to have a life of faith, and I really appreciate what uh, David said about the Lord, who the Lord dwells with. You guys remember who the Lord dwells with, he said? The humble, I heard someone say that, yeah. You know, humility and, and being nothing, those words sound really good to me. Like they sound, they sound like they're right. They sound like I know that's where I need to go. But the actuality of being nothing and walking in humility is really not so gallant as I would imagine it, you know. <clears throat> just being nothing. Like there's being known for bad things, but just being nothing, you know. And I just, uh, tonight what I want to present is the fact that we really are nothing. Nothing at all, but we are everything when we step into who we were called to be in Christ, to a great dichotomy, just the, the very fact that we are nothing. And you know, it's like you see Jesus just talking and moving with such authority. And this, you know, this theme that he says here, it seems like he could do a lot. You know, I mean, if you think of the guy that got a lot done and did a lot of miracles, you know, you think of Jesus as doing them, you know, but just, just to say, just to, just to know a guy that actually knew that he could do nothing of his own self. You know, I mean, if you think about what you're good at, the things that you think that you're good at, you know, there's things that you know you're not good at, but, you know, there's some things you're good at, you know, you all, everybody here has, 
And there's gifts the Lord gives us, and I'm thankful for that, right? But if you think about what you're good at that you bring, you know, but if you think about really what you have to bring to the Lord, really is, it's really nothing except what He's given you. Absolutely nothing. What I bring to the table sourced out of myself, the Lord really doesn't want any of that, you know? He just, none of it. And if you think about the fact that He's only going to receive Himself, you know, He doesn't want any of what I have to offer. None of it. There isn't even a little bit of good within ourselves, you know? It's a real, it's a real awakening, you know? It's just a real, a lifetime discovery. But <clears throat> there is really nothing of ourself that God is interested in doing. He's interested in us moving into a different life. And I've just been looking, you know, if you think about the fact that, and we know, you know, the pictures of, you think about someone finishing a marathon or, you know, these great feats that are happening, you know, someone, you know, coming to the crest of a mountain with the sunlight, you know, you think of someone finishing strong, none of really the, the pictures that were given of the people that finished their course, they're not that way, really, you know? Who is this coming out of the wilderness? We all know this, but, you know, leaning on the arm of her beloved, you know? Not a real, you know, not a real picture of just strength and finishing the course strong, you know? I mean, you look at Jesus at the end, at the very end of everything he happened, like the glory days were kind of over. By the time they got to the cross, it was just like all the followers just shrunk down right to the disciples. And then when it got down really to the, really the climax of the entire culmination of what he was called to do, you know, there's like two guys hanging around and they're hiding behind the fire. You know, I mean, just... This is how he went at the cross. It wasn't like with all the people that he's healed, just cheering him on, you know, and all the followers, the 5,000 aren't there saying, you know, Lord, hold on for another few hours. Nobody's around. It's quiet and lonely at the very end. This is, this is our, you know, captain of our faith. He didn't run over the mountaintop with a flag, you know, crying victory. It was a quiet, lonely time of just depending on his father to the point of tears and blood and needing to be strengthened by an angel, you know? This is, this is who we get, you know? You look at Paul, it's like Paul coming, you know, he spends the end of, he, he's, you look at the, all of Paul's, you know, narrative, and at the end of his life, it just, it's like, it's diminishing into nothingness, you know? He's, he's beheaded there with Nero. It's like, he's calling on his children to not give up faith. This is at the end of everything he's done, you know, sailing around the ocean, doing miracles, everything, it just, the people that are going to be at the end with the Lord, they're really going to know one thing is that they can't do it on their own strength. And they're going to know that they aren't going to disconnect because they've come to, as we heard tonight, trust. They come to lean, you know, full dependence. Independence is like, it makes the world go round. Independence, it really does. You know, you, you grow up, you get to your years, you know, and you just... Becoming independent, you know what I mean? And gosh, it's, it's great to be independent. It's great, you know what I mean? There's, there's, you know, getting out, just being on your own, doing things, independence, you know, having your own whatever, right? There's just, there's a thing, you know, there's a lot of what we do here that just you don't have your own whatever, you know? And I get that, especially for young people, you know? Just have your own car just to drive down the road, your own house, whatever it is. Like, all those things that are just human, right? They're just... To be your own, to have your own, to just, you know, this is mine. You know, there's everything that the enemy builds up as being great. You know what I mean? Just building greatness. When you think of greatness, you know, it's like 
Pride and independence really make the world go round. They're really the big movers. Pride, fear, you know. And the Lord dwells with the humble, you know. It's like God's after these things that just bring us down to a quietness. I appreciate what Abel said, you know, his word. He was sharing about all these big truths and, and, think, and looking at a place and, you know, kind of having a judgment of who they were. And then coming home and thinking, you know, do I, is there anywhere that I don't have love in my heart for my brother? It's like, it's just a leveler, you know? It's like, John says, you know, you say you love the Lord, but do you love your brother, you know? Well, I love everybody, but maybe those couple, you know? Well, it's a leveler, you know? And um, I've been taking a look at, at uh, Jacob <clears throat> um, because Jacob did a lot of amazing things. Um, he, was, he was a smart dude. He just... He's the conniver, right? He just had a lot figured out. <clears throat> but, and the Lord, the, the end of it for Jacob is really good, right? So, but Jacob kind of had it together as the ultimate independent guy. I mean, it just like everything that, everything that kind of came on him, you know, he goes, he has, Laban kind of tries to trick him a little bit. We'll read a little bit of this, but, you know, he strikes out. He runs right into Rachel, you know, he's, he's welcomed with fame there. And Laban's like, man, this is, you know, hey, you're my... Nephew, this is fantastic, you know. I got a couple of gray girls. Why don't you work for me? Hey, let's do seven years, you know. It's like, yeah, sure, that's fine, you know, seven years. I think I could do seven years for Megan. I, I walked it out for a couple. I don't know if that matters. So, but anyway, then he, yeah, more. It, I did two years and 15 days, yeah. Um, that was a long time. It seemed like eternity. No, it seemed like one day, babe. It was nothing. I'd do it again. I'd walk 500 miles. Um, but um, <clears throat> uh, really, uh, the Lord takes a different path with each of his people. But when you look through the people that the Lord brought close to himself, they all, there's just a diminishing of their own life that had to take place. And it was like, it was serious. God is really serious about what he does. If you haven't noticed, we're surrounded by some situations that are completely out of our control. Like, we really care about them. We, we you know, you, you, the things that just weigh upon you, you know, you, if there's anything, you, you know, it's worse for your, for your child than it is for you, right? If you could do, if you could take your child's affliction and take it upon yourself, right? Who wouldn't do that? It's like, the Lord is, the Lord has blessed us immensely, but he's got us surrounded with situations that are totally beyond our control totally like it's very evident these situations that that we can do nothing about them we are literally desperate for the lord to move i mean you know all the king's horses and all the king's men all the counselors all the best care we do all those things but like lord we need you to move like possibly that's the best place to be in Possibly that's the heart that the Lord is looking for. Possibly, you know, the Lord, if he really loves you, is going to just bring you to like a narrowing where you just, man, there's literally no other route but facing you, you know. And, um, and I just, I just this, this is a theme. You look at Abraham. It's like, you know, the Lord waits till he's like, you know, an old, really old dude, you know, like, and Sarah is a really old maid, you know. And then he's going to do something, you know, and this is what the Lord thrives in. 
He doesn't, he wants this to be about him. This is, it's about him and not about me. This is the business that God is in. And it takes a long time. You know, I'm like, I'm like in my younger mid years, you know, my kids, you know, I don't know what, when I was a young kid, when I heard someone was 40, man, they were like right there next to being over the hill, you know, like 40, you can't even imagine that. I remember being 16 and 40 was like at the edge of uselessness, but it's like, it takes a long time for the Lord to get after us. We're not just an easy break. Have you noticed that about yourself? It's like if I look at the things that the Lord has walked me through, I'm really thankful that I have the most patient teacher in the entire universe because I'm like the slowest learner. I mean, I don't deserve to get another lesson on a lot of things that I have been given a lot of chances on, really. And it's like the Lord is so personal with what he brings to our life. What he brings to my life is what I need to, to come to realize that I am completely dependent upon him. There's nothing I can do to get myself out of the strait that I find myself in. Maybe you, you know, are gifted. Maybe you don't feel so gifted. Doesn't matter all those things. Maybe you're rich or poor. But the Lord is going to be having a people that know that they're fully dependent upon him. Anyway, Jacob, Jacob just, you know, he's like, sure, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll work for Leah. And we can, we're going to go there. I think it's in Genesis 32. Or Rachel, I'll work for Rachel for seven years. And then, like, he gets his first big swap off. I don't know how that went, you know. I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, the candles must have been really dim. I don't know. Oh, I know there was veils and all that, but you would think if... I don't know. The wine must have been good. That's the only real answer I'd come up with. You know, really, you woke up and you realized you weren't with the right woman. I don't know. It's a lot to think about. But anyway, he wakes up and he's got Leah. What in the world? I need some coffee. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hello. Okay. So then, you know, he works another seven years. Well, you know, okay, he gets there in a week, but he has to work another seven years, right? And. He does some amazing things, but then, um, but then he comes to, uh, he comes to heading home. You know, he decides that he's going to sneak away, right? Because he starts hearing some things, and he packs up all his stuff, and he sneaks off, and his Laban comes and tracks him down, and you know, you stole my idol. Well, no, they didn't find it. <sighs> and now he's going, and he's and he comes up against something that is completely he's completely afraid of. You know, like this is the conniver that has got everything figured out. I mean, literally, you know, they gave him the striped, you know, and he's like, "Good, I'll take the what does he call him spot coat or something?" You know, it's, this is the most amazing thing. But you know, he's like, and Laban's like, "Nope, I'll take those." So then the next time, you know, the stripes didn't do so good, right? The spotted did good. I mean. Things work out for this guy, you know. He's, he's just really good at what he does. And, but then we come to 32 and he's coming up against Esau. He doesn't have a good plan. You know, and he does some really amazing things here for a guy that's got all these servants and everything, you know. Uh, but, but it's like... Uh, We'll start in verse 1. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, under the land of Seir, the country of Edom, and commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau. 
Thy servant Jacob saith thus, he's taking a very humble approach here. I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there, and I have oxes and asses and flocks and maidservants and women servants, and sent to you my, to tell you, my Lord, that I may find grace in your sight. And the messengers returned, saying, We came to thy brother, and he also cometh to meet thee with four hundred men with him. Whoa, you know. And here's Jacob realizing, I am in trouble. You know, boy, am I in trouble. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him, and the flocks, and the herds, and the camels, and said, If Esau come unto the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. You know, I totally get this. Have you ever? Lord, <clears throat> you know what? I would give up this if you would do this. You know, I'm so desperate that I'm okay if you take away this thing, you know, this thing that I was looking forward to, I'm good. I'm, I'm good with that going away. If you do this, you know, bargaining with God, you know, you ever tried bargaining with God? As a kid, I did a lot of bargaining with God. Maybe it's more advanced now, but you like, like you have a way of like a bargaining chip with God, you know, like I just, this is good stuff. You know, you know, Hey, I got a plan. We'll split up. That way he'll kill one and take the other, you know, I totally get this. Um, it's just like, it's like if you could be worthy of what God is doing, that's the way you approach God. When you realize that there's nothing but God calling you and saying that you're worthy and that this is who you are, the whole field changes, right? Your entire purpose is because of who he's called you to be and not because of what you can do. That's it just everything becomes different. It going into the throne room of grace is a lot simpler when you realize you never had anything anyway to begin with. You find yourself in this straight now. What, you know, you're in a worse straight when you don't even realize you're in a straight, right? I mean, when you're feeling good and things are going well and you feel like you have a little something, like, that's a worse position than realizing, Lord, this week, I am utterly in need of your help. If you don't help me, you know, we're not getting help, right? It just, it's, it's interesting how the Lord views things. He sees them differently. I think that my bad weeks are kind of the Lord's good weeks. Does that make sense? Like, that week was not the way that I wanted it to go. You know, but what if, what if you having a bad whatever, maybe it's a year and you find yourself just once again before the Lord, maybe that's the best in God's calendar. You're the closer than you've ever been, right? Have you ever found that your ear is closer to God on, you know, the worst occasions, you know, it just is, you know, I wish it was otherwise, but that's the facts. The Lord has a, a sensitive ear when he's got you aware that you can do nothing to fix the straight you're in. Anyway, Jacob takes a mighty humble, you know, the, the great conniver is not talking smack here. <clears throat> o God of my father Abraham and the God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, Return to thy country and to thy kindred, and I will go with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all of thy mercies and all of the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, now I come to two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the, and the mother with children. And thou says, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand at present, all these things. And he gets this whole plan going on, right? I mean, this guy is amazing what he sets up. Anyway, I want to go to verse 20. You know, he sends, he gets a whole band across the river, right? In case they're losers, we got one wife here and a couple kids, you know, to survive. 
This is the plan. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and man, and hast prevailed. You know, it's like somehow here, all night long, he's at the end of whatever he can think of, but he's not letting go. This is all that he's doing is holding on to this, this angel that he's wrestling with. You know, I'm going to get a blessing. I'm not going to let go. Boy, it is easy to let go. I don't know, Terry, what it takes to midnight or, or 4 a.m., whatever it is in your life. But the enemy gets us to let go right when we're at the brink of the most important blessings. That's what I think. The work of the enemy is to wear us down because he gets us thinking about what we're not worth and what we can't do and where we have failed. And the Lord is putting us into a place not to humiliate us. We can only, we, you know, we have to humble our hearts. The Lord puts us in a place to, to realize that. But as David said, he puts us into a fix where there's a dialogue, right? And in the dialogue, you cry out, Lord, help me. <laughs> no, what does it take? Maybe it takes, maybe you're a guy, it takes just a day for to come to that place. Maybe you're a guy, it takes weeks or years. But Lord, I am in a strait and I need your help. There's nothing like a heart of wanting help that the Lord turns to, to help. And this is what, what if Jacob comes out of this night, this the worst night with a new name? You know, this is, this is great. This is, what are we after? We're after a new nature. We don't want to be left the same. But he also gets to limp around the rest of his life, you know. I think the Lord wanted him to remember. He needed a reminder. He was going to get, you know, hey, remember where you were in your hour of need and who I am, Right. I don't know what limp the Lord has stuck with you that you can't get out of, but I found for myself that the things that I want to get myself out of, I would like to, I'd like this cup to pass oh so badly, and I wouldn't like another one to come, but I find that the softening of my heart, the thing that it brings me to, to where I'm just saying, Lord, I do not have an answer. I don't have a thought. I don't have a plan. You know what's embarrassing is how much thinking I do sometimes before I just call upon God. You ever found that? You do a lot of hard thinking and planning to get out of a fix before you're just, okay, Lord, you got me, you know. I'm at the end. But I've got to recognize that it's the mercy of the Lord to bring me to that spot. You know, I don't, we don't need God in our businesses visibly the same way we used to, right? I mean, things are going. We've got, you know, bonding and things like I remember praying for our bonding to go up so we could do a job a certain size. You know, we're not, we're not even, we're, things are happening that we used to pray for that we don't even think about now because they've been established, right? It's a, it's a real, it can be a danger. The people of God kind of fell into danger in those times more than they fell into danger when their shoes were wearing out. Let me say that. I know in my heart I've got to say, Lord, I don't want to have to be smacked up the head to realize here I am, you know. We're just, maybe we're just bidding a, you know. Maybe it's just a little million dollar job, you know. I, I remember not even being able to grasp a million dollars. And now you got a method and a plan. That's fine, okay. We're, you know, sales and all those things. We, we're supposed to be learning. We're supposed to be wise stewards. But we're not in one iota supposed to be transferring that into trusting in myself. And that is a real hazard. That is where most people go off the road. And 
What happens after that is like, it's hard to work in the realm of faith when you have that mode. Faith is knowing that you don't bring anything, that God's bring, God brings everything. I find that there's so many things throughout the week. God is so, I'm thankful that God is so real. He's not removed. He's so detailed in my life with every little thing, just to, to every day, just to wake me up and keep speaking to me. Have you found that for yourself? Just whatever area you're working in, whatever area I'm working in, God's at work just to show you. Maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a salesperson, maybe you're a contractor, I don't know, a farmer. But the Lord, if you're paying attention, is waking you up throughout the week of re just to remind you, hey, I'm in charge, you know? Are you still depending on me? Have you, you know? Are you just calling upon me when you need a new plan or are you actually aware that I'm, you know? There's so many little things. I w I, uh, I'll tell you a little funny story on myself, not nearly as fancy last story, but um, it just illustrates the fact that God is, he is gracious enough to show us that we are absolutely dependent upon him. Out hunting this year, just the willows are so high out there. Um, I don't know who's in charge of willow growth, but it's got to stop. <clears throat> it's now gone beyond the height of a moose, and that's a problem. Um, but we used to like be able to walk down the bog and just see, you know, you could just see that there's moose out there. You know, a fire came through, and all the moose are just like, you know, they're out there, just buck naked. You could just see them for miles, like, wow, they're everywhere. You know, and then it starts to grow up. Then you kind of got to stand on your toes. Then you got to be on your foreleg to see. Then you got to stand on your foreleg. You got to stand up to see. And now this year, you're like standing on your tub on your foreleg. And, and like me, I really got to stand on a lot of things to see over the willows. It's like, you just can't see in there. And you're like, there's moose. You just know they're there, right? Like, you can go through the day and believe they're not there, but then you know they're there, right? Anyway, we, we, we Uncle Ron actually this day had spotted a couple little bulls. And we had the whole camel train going out to the OPs. We were, and so he stopped and we're all there just kind of making noise and everything. And then Ben spotted a couple more behind. Long story short, we decided to go. These things ran off and disappeared into the thick bushes. I actually got up on Ben's shoulders and held on to a very small tree and he stood up and we found them running away. So we got down and great. Ah, it must've looked funny for the moose. Anyway, they were laughing as they ran away. But anyway, so Anna hadn't gotten a moose. We were hoping this year she could. So we went down, just said a prayer on this impossible chase, went down this bog and found them again. And long story, we got her set up on this moose. They're these same two moose we came up on and all she could see was his ears and its rack. It's hilarious, actually. On the video, she says, where is his body? It's kind of a funny thing, you know? She, she literally couldn't even see all these ears and this rack up there. So anyway, but um, so there was another moose there. She got this moose and this other moose, like kind of just wasn't so focused on not losing this thing in the willow. So she got it down, really exciting. And then this other moose kind of ran over. It was kind of in, behind these trees. It ran away a little bit, like 300 yards away. And then it just came around a tree and I was kind of like, I'm not gonna look. Not even going to see if it's legal. So I just was like, okay. So I got up on this tussock, and I could see it had three brow tines. Got back down. It started running again. Long way off. Anyway, I finally decided I was going to shoot this thing, so I did. It was kind of way out there. Wondering if it was a good call. And it ran a little ways. Anyway, finally, it went down. It was like kind of a, just an ugly running shot balancing on this tussock. The worst of things. Anyway, not advised. But I had this sick feeling in my heart that we would never find this moose again, right? So... We went and we found Anna's moose, which in itself took a little, she heard it breathing. It was like, we were, like from here to the trash can, you just can't see. It's, this is so close and you, you just can't see anything. So we found this moose and I made her get very close to it while it was still alive. She did not like that. It was really exciting. But anyway, that's beside the point. But then I Caitlin to go look for this moose and I like, the, I had 
The bog just is a great sameness to the bog. When you're in, you know, you can like be up high and everything looks so clear and then you get down and everything just blends into grass and willows. And like you were so sure of your, your great landmark you had. Like I had just memorized the picture of where this moose ran into. You know, there's these green trees. And then we went, you know, another like 400 yards to Caitlin's moose and I looked over and all the land of Canaan looked totally different. You know, like maybe this happens in Fairbanks out in the bog, it's really serious. Anyway. Kayla and I went over there and we drove in and I like, we just started walking this grid. And I just, the feeling of futility began to flow down through. And Kayla is actually very determined when it comes to looking for moose, thankfully. But we're walking over, we're walking over trees that are fallen. I crawl up this big tree and I'm looking like, you know, my binoculars through blades of grass for a horn, you know. And we're in this area that's like a quarter mob. And the more you look, the more you get lost. Keep trying to rezone myself. Anyway, I saw this stump. And like, Caitlin, this could be an antler behind this tree, but I'm just like, no. And so we go over there, it was not anything, it was a stump. And I'm just standing on this branch and I'm just like, I literally, we, I put my head down and just like said a final gasping prayer, you know, like it had been two hours. We were totally exhausted. Caitlin's, we had to walk in this grid. And then this thing stands up out of the bog. I kid you not, this thing just stands up. And I look over and there's this bull moose, you know, like 200 feet away. And, it, and then it just, it collapses again. I mean, literally just like that. It stands up and I shout at Caitlin and it collapses, she never even sees it. And I'm like, and it was obvious, it stood up, but it was obviously, you know, wounded, right? I mean, if you don't get the picture, the point of the matter is like zero, we had driven like 10 yards past this moose two hours ago. There was no way that I was finding this thing. It was just like completely impossible. I mean, and it, like, we, we would never have found it. We were gonna leave, and this, you know, and they stand up, they go above the willows, and they go, you know, and even walking up to it, we got within about me to Dan before we even saw it again, it's it, it just crazy. But it was just like a little like, you know, like you realize I just, you know, literally plucked this, as far as I was concerned, God just like plucked this thing up and then dropped it again. Zero, none of my hunting skills, right? This I'm trying to get at. All of my efforts and scoping and planning and zoning and, Nothing, like zero possible chance. Like, you know what I mean? Like the Lord stood the moose up and it went back down. That's the end of the story. And, and so we were able to find this moose. Um, it just was like all day long kept telling Caitlin, can you even believe that this happened? Like, you know, it's amazing that this happened. Again, it's a small practical thing, but I find this happens throughout the week where the Lord does something and you realize that if the Lord would not have done this thing, you would have found, maybe found yourself here or if the Lord wouldn't have bumped you into this conversation, or if the Lord wouldn't have reminded you of something, you realize that you would be in very large trouble without the Lord working in your life. There just, there just isn't enough skill set to bring to the table to make being a son. You know what I'm saying? There isn't, there, we cannot bring enough of anything but dependence on the Lord to make it home. And this is, um, I love this, uh, <clears throat> Job, you know, it's like, Somebody was reading about this, but you look at, at Job and it's like Job really, of all the people, he really had his act together. I can kind of identify, like everything he knew that he could do, he was doing. Like making sacrifices for the possible sins of his children, right? I mean, this is going the extra mile, you know what I mean? And I, I've, you know, I found myself kind of imagining those sort of things, you know. Lord, if I could make a sacrifice for my sin, the sins of my children, you know, it's like going the nth degree, like. And then this, this affliction that comes on Job is outrageous and you know, all the news comes in and it's like, 
Anyway, he comes through all this and he, a lot of banter, and he's got a lot of things to say about how unfair this is and how righteous he is, right? But then, finally in Job 42, you don't need to turn, but it says, after the Lord, the Lord answers Job and just like, you know, hey, by the way, where were you when the world's reformed, you know? Uh, I mean, what are you going to argue with that, right? I mean, God just brings the whole argument down into perspective. Anyway, in Job 42, he says, then, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have I understood, uttered that that I understood not, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare unto me, I have heard of thee, and this is where it gets real, by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. It takes those types of situations to where you like, Lord, I've heard of you. I've been, you know, you've been in the back of my mind. <laughs> you know, I've called upon you for these things. You know, maybe, maybe I'm growing up and my parents or my friends, you know, I'm, I'm here around it. But, you know, you've got to come to the place where you see it with your eye. It's just a difference when you bump into the living God and you realize my life is actually his. And it takes a reminder, but... Coming to realize my life is actually his. I have been bought. I'm not my own. It's like, it's completely, you know, humiliated. You're not your own. I mean, like, to think about that, actually. I'm not, you know, yeah, of course my own. No, I'm the Lord's. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And then, you know, goes on, the Lord turned the captivity of Job. There is, there is a awareness. There's, there is a confidence in the realm of faith, in the kingdom of faith that comes from knowing who you are in Christ that literally cannot be found knowing anything else. It's like when you look at, again, the reason that Jesus could speak into those things with authority is because he wasn't sourcing it. And I was just thinking about, you know, you look at Isaiah and he's like, man, I've just looked back. I forget the way he says it, but he's like, you know, his train fills the temple. He sees his big vision. He's like, then I said, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. <laughs> you know, you know, have you thought about just the things you've said and where they're sourced? You know, it just who do you represent with the things you say? Are you are you aware of what the Lord wants to say to a situation? Or are you just speaking your opinion? It's like it takes a long time to get to where, man, I really want to. Speak into this. Maybe I'm going to be quiet right now because I just don't know. It's okay to say that. You know, I've said to some people, I'm going to go pray. I really don't know what to say. But like most of the time, I'm just, you know, hi, representing me. You know, I'm just the things I say, just I'm here. They're just on behalf of Gabe G. You know, <laughs> the things that come out of your mouth, you know, and it's all those opinions are there for a reason. The Lord put us, you know, put them there, you know, gave us passion, everything. But Ah, to realize, Lord, I want to say something about the situation. I, wanna, I want to check myself. I want to find myself in the place of humility where I'm really able to be directed by your spirit. There is so much help to be found there. There is so much help and there's so much um, confidence and there's so much assurance and peace to be found in the places where you yield to the work of the Lord. It is a completely different place. Striving, you know... Striving with God against those things is not a good idea. But there has to be an awareness of, Lord, wow, I realize that 
I, all of my value, all of my purpose comes from who you say I'm to be. And I want to look here. I am really getting close. I know you may not believe that. This is uh, Sparks. This is, this is maybe a week ago. This is kind of what has been ringing in my ears that has just kept me thinking about this. <clears throat> it says, there are still a lot of people in this world that think that there is something in them that can contribute to the glory of God and that Christianity is, the only bringing, is only the bringing up out of man something that is for the glory of God. <laughs> that is a long-standing fallacy and a lie. Call it what you like. It goes by various names, such as inner light or vital spark. But the word of God all the way through is coming down tremendously on this thing. I start at zero. <laughs> I love the way Sparks just lays things out. Zero for me means that I can contribute nothing. Everything has come from God. The very fact of the gift of God is an eternal life means that you have not got it until it is given to you. You are blind until God gives you the faculty of sight. Man, that has been revealed to me. I, when the Lord opens your eyes to something and you realize how long you've been blind, it's just kind of embarrassing, you know? You're a hopeless cripple until God does something for you and in you which you can never do. And unless God does this thing, unless this act take place, well, there you lie. That is the truth. Spiritually, this is how you are. You can contribute nothing. This is one of the great lessons that you and I have to learn in the school of Christ, that God begins for his glory at zero, and God will take pains through the Holy Spirit to make us know that it is zero. That is, to bring us consciously to zero, to make us realize that it is all with him. Have we not settled on this? We take so long to learn the basic elementary lessons. We do so cling to some sort of idea that we can produce something. And all our miserable days are simply the result of hoping that we can in some way provide the Lord with something. And this again, it's like there are things that you have been called to do. We'll look at the scripture in Christ that are of great value. And, and when you come into those things, it's like it's a settling into your calling. You know, you see, you, see, I, you see young people come up here and settle into something of purpose where it just like suddenly found pace with who they're to be. That is just it's a total difference. You know what I mean? Like. There's just a settling of, and all of us have areas in our life where we're still wondering, what, Lord, where are, those, where are those things at? Not being able to find it, the breaking down, you know, we get miserable, perfectly miserable. It takes us so long to come to the place where we do fully and finally settle this matter, that if we have lived as long as ever man has lived in this earth, we shall not be able to contribute one iota to that which can be acceptable to God, and that which he can take and use for our salvation or sanctification. All that he can use in us is his son. The measure of our glory will be the measure of Christ in us and just that. Anyway, he has a very good way of saying that. But there is just, there's a confidence. Um, and I think that we have to get into uh, a headspace and have our vision opened up uh, so that we can really see how the Lord sees us. We can really see how we're supposed to see our brothers. There is so much purpose. There's so much um, solid solidity. There's so much of an anchor of hope. We've been hearing about hope. That is only found when you, when you come to realize that all purpose, all value, all analysis, whatever it is, it really is found in coming into stride with who the Lord wants you to be. It's such a difference. And the Lord, and, and coming to be thankful for the areas where the Lord just wears us out of who he could be in ourself. And it's so, everything about the world, everything about, the economy comes against that. But in God's economy, 
we're, we're always closer to him in those places. I want to look at one last scripture here. Ephesians 2. You can turn there. I was listening to uh, John Cheever from convention. I thought, and by the way, if you have some time, it's very worthwhile. <clears throat> uh, David talked about uh, the anointing being to help us lay down our lives, that really being the purpose of the anointing. And then John talked about just the, the work of redemption in our life and the fact that we don't deserve it, but we are per perfectly created for it. I think the way he said it was that God had created the Redeemer before he created us, which is something to think about. He said that you are perfectly suited for the Redeemer that has been sent to your life. The Redeemer was created before you. I love the way he said that. <clears throat> anyway, this is Ephesians 2. And it says, um, I guess pick it up in 7, I think. I'm missing some of my text here. But it says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are ye saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, the only way uh, not to be disappointed is to um, realize that, <clears throat> you know, you, you can't make anything good enough. You can't ruin anything good enough. What we can do is we can hold on to his hand through the process that he has us in. If you find yourself striving, doing whatever, you know, you, there's no way but to come to a point of bitterness when you wake up and realize, man, all of my efforts haven't produced what I thought they would produce, you know? It's like, you find Jonah, you know, the Lord tells him to go to Nineveh. He's like, nah, I know what you're going to do. Takes a ship, God throws him in the ocean, swallows a fish. He finally walks through, you know, Nineveh, does what he's told because he has to. And then he sits on the hill and he waits for, you know, Nineveh to get destroyed, right? And it's like, and then the Lord's, you know, Lord saves Nineveh. And it's like, and then Jonah sat there and pouted because the Lord saved Nineveh. You know, it's like, but I can totally understand this. It's like, you know, I, I knew that this was going to happen. Jonah's like, you know why I didn't want to come here? Because you're a gracious God and merciful. You know, take that. It's just the most unique story. You know, I knew that you were full of compassion. That's why I didn't want to do this mission in the first place. You're going to embarrass me. It's like, it's not about me. It's not about you, Jonah. It's about all these people. The purpose of God in our lives is not just about us. It's about something so much grander. And it's so easy when we find ourselves in the valley of need, in the valley of despair, in the, in the whatever situation that is completely unfixable. Maybe it's a loved one that's even, you know, harder than it is for you. When there's nothing, when, the, when it's, you know, these things that go on for a long time, you know, the enemy is very good at taking away your hope in these situations and making it seem like it's never going to change. When in fact God is at work on an eternal level to put within us a dependence on Him that is the only thing that is going to actually take us home, right? This is, this is the thing that we need. We need to be persuaded. We are stubborn people. We have to have a God that takes these things and persuades us. Lord, man, I, I want to be found as a person that is trusting you. Whether it looks good, whether it looks bad, I don't even know what's going on. I don't know when this is going to end. But I know that you have my good in mind, and I know that there's a purpose. I'm not going to let go of your hand. Don't let go of the Lord's hand in the situation you find yourself in. It may be your salvation to find yourself there at the edge of the river, 
you know, knowing the enemy that's coming that you can't face, maybe all you can do is just hold on through the night to the guy that's wrestling you. Maybe, you know, but the Lord has a purpose in every one of these things, and he absolutely comes to the help of the humble. Amen. Did he do okay, timeline? Check with you girls later. You'll hear about it. Um, I've had a thought running through my mind about reputation. And every, we all have a reputation. And hopefully we we have a good reputation. Um, Plus I was thinking about uh, a good picture of this, what embodies this, really, the heart of it is we've got a, one of our main shepherds out there pumping septic tanks. Now that, and I thought coming over tonight, you know, it's like, there's a lot of things probably Fabian could be doing, maybe would rather be doing. I don't know how many years you've been doing it since Jason left, maybe whatever. But um, I thought, you know, no, no job is beneath him. I'm not going to puff him, but anyway, he's not. He would not be doing that for recognition. I mean, and, and it, if anyone is interested in, you know, job security, um, he would be willing to train you as well. But I, I was, um, when I was in Pennsylvania, I, was, I ran almost every day, which is great. But I, I got stopped one day because there was this yard sale. And I just had to. I, like, I just was... I don't know how I just ended up there. Like I was running and it just, and I, I actually brought a few things home from there. But I, I got to talking to these people and then I realized that this house was the house of my dad built. Cause they said, oh yeah, this is a Greenleaf built house. And on this one street, he built a lot of them. But when I run and I never, I grew up with it. Like I didn't appreciate it, but um, I could see what, you know, it finally dawned on me why my dad he, he, he derived a lot of joy and pleasure out of the re, a great reward of just building a house, creating something that somebody wanted and just the way you, he did it. And I've heard that numerous times um, just in talking to people that I might know about the quality of houses that he built. So I would like to challenge us tonight with this, that one of the greatest um, honors that we could aspire to is to really to be a house builder and build up this house. That you, that you will never build up this house if you and I are out for anything for ourselves. We will, we will turn everything, uh, we will disapprove anything that doesn't um, turn out good for me, maybe, or just, I don't mean like we're evil like that, but I mean, just subconsciously, it takes a lot of work to really genuinely have it in your heart to edify another first, above yourself. You, you think of how 
how hard it is to um, to not want recognition. People can be going on and on. I mean, just like you, it, it's like, and I, I, I'm not there yet. But I know I, I do work towards trying to keep my mouth shut to be, to, to serve in obscurity and not call attention to something that I've done. And that's hard to do. If you, you are self-absorbed, you will never deny an opportunity to take credit to call to attention, you know, you may not toot your horn, but it's 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 just something to be aware of. This is this is the path forward. So we see this in a, in a wrapping this up. This was Paul's cry at the end of anything he really wanted. If you want to make my joy complete, you know, like if you want, if there's any love, if there's any care, he says here, if there's any consolation in Christ. If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. You, we've tried this. You cannot be like-minded apart from a surrender in your heart to the Spirit of God. It just is. Give it up. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. What I've been thinking about, I, if I would have spoke, and I just had to do with um, building the house, but how we talk to each other. And do we really build each other up? It, you know, do we really, um, and, and my wife is kind of helping me just, said the same thing, like trying to sow thankfulness and praise. It's so easy to sow other stuff with our words. Let, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. That's a pretty good challenge I lay before us tonight. Make yourself. You know, at least ask God, how do I do that? The enemy gets in there and he, before long, you'll, you'll be going after being the greatest one to have no reputation. That's just as bad. And he took upon himself the form of a servant and made and was made in the likeness of man and being found in the fashion of a man he humbled himself to and became obedient unto death this is a lot even the death of a cross wherefore God hath highly exalted him in giving him a name which is above every name now, God can set up all manner of circumstances to to humble us it doesn't happen that way. It, you, you and I have to, that is something we're learning really what's in our power to do and what's not. What's in our power to do is to choose the low road. So Lord help us with that.